Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, it's great to have you here. We've been in a series talking about finding Christmas, and we were looking at how some of you love the chaos. You like the parties and the energy and the activity, and if you're online at home, uh, you love the shopping, you like to get out there and mingle with everybody, and it's just an incredible time of the year. Others of us, we find meaning in Christmas through tradition. We love candlelight services, we love the Christmas carols, we love the intimate snow falling, and just all the nativity scenes. Everything about it just raises so much nostalgia and comfort. That speaks of Christmas. And then last week we were talking about how generosity and compassion, for some, it's really that spirit of reflecting Christ and being able to do something to make somebody else's Christmas or their life feel a little bit better. And let's be honest, you give a gift and you do something and you see that smile, it just feels so rewarding, right? Okay, just, I, I just thought I'd leave that there for a moment. So we're the early crowd chaos and tradition, familiarity, but not so much generosity. Today we want to talk about togetherness and look around the room. This is, to me, the reflection of what it's all about, that God so loved this, this world that he sent his son so that we could be together. And it's celebrating togetherness. It's relationship. And I just look at the nations of the world and I look at, I know some of the stories that are in the room and places that you've come from. Some you've come just this year. Some you've returned, you're working overseas and you're back home with us. Others, you've been here a couple of years and many of you, you've lived here all your lives and we're together because of Christ and what he did at Christmas. And togetherness is really important in my life too because of my marriage to Laura and because today is her birthday. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Laura, happy birthday to you. My Christmas just got better. <laughs> No, Christmas really is all about togetherness, and it's the chance to come in and enjoy and celebrate the season. And when we look at it, we, we celebrate it in different ways, and yet at the essence of all that it is, it's when our, our hearts and our lives and our minds are brought into focus around what Christ has done for us. And even some of the songs that we sing and some of the carols and the tunes that we hear remind us that it is this essence of togetherness. In one of those songs, it's the hap, hap, happiest time of the year. And for most of us, we go, absolutely. But on the togetherness side, I, I want to just move the indicator a little bit. Because for some of us, it's about the movies and the parties and the carols and the concerts and the gifts and the lights. And it all underscores that this truly is a celebratory season. But togetherness can sometimes camouflage what for some people is the gloomiest time of the year that it's not as easy for them to step in and celebrate with us. There's the feigned emotions. There's the fake smile. There's that forced appearances at events and gatherings. And that's the price you pay to be in togetherness with others. It's not that you don't want to be there. 
It's just that there's circumstances and situations in your life right now that this isn't the hap, hap, happiest time of the year for you. And celebrating joy and light is not really high on your radar right now. It's more on the despair darkness side. That's the shadowy part of Christmas. And we all know this, we do, but we sometimes allow just the power and presence of Christmas to push back away from us the familiarity of what some people wrestle with. I was curious what, to, what really transpires at the time of the year beyond the doors of, say, a church community, out in our neighborhoods, out in the streets. Here's what I found. Alcoholism and abuse is going to spike over the next week. That domestic fights and family fights and police responses are going to spike as well. It's part of that season. Depression, anxiety, fear, there's loneliness. Some in the room and some that you know that you work with or some are in your family. They fit the description. And as I was looking at this celebration of togetherness, what we're going to hold dear and true, I just want to remind us that we have this gift of hospitality and hope and life that we get to give to others. Bob Russell is a great author and writer, and he was reflecting on what some of the stressors are in relationships. Do you have any stressful relationships? See, the week before Christmas, you never raise your hand. The week after Christmas, absolutely, we sign up for therapy. But Bob identified what some of the stressor, relationship stressors are, particularly around this time of the year. He talks about this area of bad emotions, bad emotional memories. He said it's the memories of Christmas past where things didn't go quite the way you thought. Some of you, you might remember this, it's usually our childhood memories where we tend to cover over the darker parts of them. Dad got drunk, mom was stressed out, we never really got the presents that we had hoped for, and that seemed to be the repetitive pattern and Bob says that's one of those stressors that even though we compensate for it in our present life, it never seems to really leave us. Then there's the overcommitment. How many of you have too many things to do in the next two and a half weeks? Oh, yeah, blow up those you know, electronic devices in our calendars. Calendars are jammed full. Patience wears thin. Family is feeling funky yet, eventually. And we spend time. We have to choose. Do I spend time with your parents, with my parents if you're married, with the in-laws, the outlaws, where do we go, what do we do? And then there's the obligatory family dinner where everybody gets invited. And when you get there, it doesn't feel like the family dinner, it feels like family feud because it's just the nature of being together. And there's no prizes to be handed out. Togetherness is just stressing people out. Then the financial pressure. Some of you are gonna spend more than you can afford on Christmas presents. Then you're going to feel guilty that you spent all that money and that's going to stress you out. And then wait for the end of January when that visa bill comes. Then you're in the blues because now you know you've got to pay for those bills. And that's what Bob was looking at when he looked at what are some of the things that fracture our sense of togetherness. And I thought about a couple of other areas. What about the empty chair? Some of you know what this is like. There's a loved one that's passed on. And while you smile and embrace Christmas with the rest of us, there's that haunting sense of the cherished memories of when you celebrated with that loved one and they're not going to be there. Or maybe the kids have moved away. They've moved to another country. And some, you've moved to this country. And so while you go back to an apartment later today that's sparsely furnished and you're going to do your best to celebrate Christmas, that, that fullness of celebration may not quite be what you hoped it to be. 
And I think underscoring everything is this unrealistic expectation. Television, the television ads, social media, Hallmark Christmas cards, they all produce this wonderful image of a warm, family-centered Christmas. Everyone exchanging gifts, everyone is smiling, they're hugging, the snow is gently falling. There's the crackle of the wood burning in the fireplace, casting a gentle glow around the room, and we're sipping cider, and we're singing Christmas carols. How many have a Christmas like that? I didn't think so. More likely, mom and dad stayed up way too late, and you're going to stay up way too late on Christmas Eve wrapping gifts, probably get into a fight. You're not going to talk to each other on Christmas morning. Your teenagers, they're going to say thank you for those Bluetooth headphones, and they're going to put them on right away so they don't have to listen to you fight. Those kids that you bought that shared gift for that were so excited when they first opened it up together, they're now in World War III over who owns that gift. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for shared gifts. They never really, really work. And the only one in your family who's truly enjoying Christmas together is your family dog. He's drinking the eggnog right out of the eggnog bowl, and nobody noticed him. So far from the hap, hap, happiest time of the year, there are times that togetherness is fractured. So I want to pause and just read something for us. It's familiar. And we heard a little bit of it this morning from our kids. Matthew chapter 118. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look. The virgin will conceive a child, and she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Those are words taken from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The context of the prophet was back during the kingdom of Israel when it was divided. Far from a state of togetherness, it was fractured. Israel had separated into two nations. You had Israel to the north. You had Judah to the south. And here in this moment, you go, what was happening that God would send the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz of the kingdom of Judah to say, don't worry, brokenness will not always prevail over this world. Hope is coming. Here's what took place. The northern kingdom, Israel, had wanted to defeat their blood relatives, the southern kingdom, and so they formed an alliance with Syria. So you have Israel and Syria forming an alliance so that they can invade the nation of Judah and destroy and decimate this nation. And King Ahaz, fearing for his people and wondering about the future of his nation, God sends a prophet, a spokesman, to speak to him. And he says to the king, don't worry. And he gives this wonderful description. A virgin will conceive a child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God was prophetically declaring to King Ahaz that he was going to reunite this world in togetherness. And the fracture lines were going to be healed. And the hurt and the pain and the disappointment is going to come to an end. And when I listen to the words of Isaiah and I, I think about where we are in our world today, and we talk about togetherness, I am so grateful 
that God could see the condition not only of the world some thousands of years ago, but he could see the condition of the world right today in 2019 and understand how important it is for us to have community. There's two thoughts I left you in your notes today to reflect on over this next week. The first is this, that God invites us into his community. And this is powerful. That's really what Christmas is. The holidays aren't about perfect relationships or joy bells tingling or warm hugs around a perfect dinner table. It's all about togetherness, that God would come and take on flesh and walk among us. Think about the cast of characters that first Christmas. A teenaged girl, a hesitant fiance, foreign scholars, lowly shepherds, a patient widow, a faithful priest. It's the story of people looking for something more, longing for hope. And God brings it all together and binds it up through Christ in a moment of togetherness. And he said, and I will be with you and I'll be your God. John recorded it this way. So the word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen the glory, the glory of the one and only, the Father's one and only Son. John captured the essence of what it's all about. Isaiah declared it for us so that we could understand that it's not just their story. It's our story. It's your story. Togetherness isn't something that God did and said, I hope that works out for one generation. It's what God did for humanity. So whether we're single or divorced, whether we're married or we're separated, whether we're widow or widower, child or parent, grandparent, no matter what our state, social, economic status in life is, no matter where we are in today's journey, hear this again. Emmanuel, God with us. But personalize it. It's Emmanuel, God with you. And I look around the room and I think about the journeys that I have walked on with many of you in the room today. Some of you have gone through incredible health challenges. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you are looking for work and you're still struggling to pay those bills. Some of you are wondering about the future of your children and you're despairing over their choices right now. But can I remind you today that Christmas is not a perfectly wrapped celebration that we try to forget everything. Christmas is when God takes all the wrapping off and he sends his son into the middle of our brokenness and he said, I am God with you. That's Christmas. And so when we sing Emmanuel, it brings hope back into our soul. Bob Fife was deployed to fight in the Second World War and he was stationed out near Paris and in his memoirs he talks about a little experience that he had. He had broken away from his battalion, separated from his band and he found himself needing to find safety for the night. And Bob said, I found a, a little barn just on the outskirts of Paris. And so I secured myself inside the barn. And Bob writes that at one point in the night, as he was shivering from the cold, a thought raced through his mind. He said, Bob, this is it. This is it. You're thousands of miles away from home. You're separated from the ones that could protect you. You're likely going to die tomorrow. This is about as bad as it could get. And he said, and as I was just sort of wallowing that sense of self-pity and despair, he said, it's like God just spoke to me in that moment. And he said, I heard this thought in my mind. Bob, that's what I sent my son into. I sent my son into a cold barn where he was isolated, alone, and frightened, where security wasn't common in that day political rivalries, and everybody sort of gesturing to take the positions of power. 
And as Bob began to think about it, he thought, how powerful is that, that God would send his son to experience the very things that we experience in life. And he said, and brought hope immediately back into his spirit. And it changed Christmas for him. Because now Christmas is not about the celebrations and the presents. And he said, there's nothing wrong with that. He said, Christmas is togetherness. It's Christ with me, Emmanuel, God walking with us. So this season, God invites us to take time to give thanks for the marvelous, incredible invitation that we can have a personal relationship with the one who created us, that our brokenness can be healed, our separation and our isolation can be brought together in wholeness, and we can experience not just God with us, but us together with each other. Second thought in there is this, that God invites us to build community for others. That we're not simply the recipients of this wonderful gift, but we are also the agents that should dispense this gift of togetherness, this gift of community. Helping people find their way back to God is the essence of what we're about as a church community. And I thank you. I thank you for your generosity and what we're doing for the food bank and the cold care packets and all the giving you do through the season. It's just incredible. But we can do something on our individual level that's even bigger. You don't need to have a big home. You don't have to throw the perfect Christmas party. You don't have to have a vast amounts of financial resources. But, but we have this privilege of being able to build community wherever we go and invite people to come in. We can send a personalized Christmas card to somebody that we know has maybe lost a loved one over this past year and just expressing our prayer and our support and our encouragement. You can bake a plate of cookies and deliver them to my house. <laughs> well, that wasn't in my notes. You can, you can bake a plate of cookies and deliver them to a senior across the street or someone in your apartment building or a coworker. There's always room for one more at our table, isn't there? There's always more than enough food. One more setting will never disrupt what we're about to experience, but it could transform somebody else's story. There's the opportunity when we're leaving this place today to wish that cashier, that table host, that parking lot attendant, to actually wish them Merry Christmas, but not in a fleeting way, but to actually look into their eyes and connect with them in a moment of togetherness and say, Merry Christmas, and let that sink in, because we all long for that, and those words give us hope. It might be a phone call, it might be a Skype call, and it might be bringing your spouse or your family or maybe just your friends to a candlelight Christmas Eve service at the church. There are easy, tangible, practical ways that God enables us to get creative, and we can invite people into community. And so I pray that this Christmas, all of us would experience God's invitation into community because through his son, it's been paid for. All he says is to believe in Jesus, it's ours. And then as we do that, that we invite people to experience Jesus in and through us. And we can do that, can't we? So let's do that this Christmas. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page. And you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC. 